Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Okay, so my husband is in the other room right now, and he's eating bone marrow. And I know that that's a very ancient, old, good thing to cook your bones and eat the bone marrow, but he's literally only having bone marrow for dinner. (laughs) That's all he's eating. And he's going on and on about how delicious it is and how I need to look at these big chunks of bone for bone marrow, and I'm saying no thank you. So a little bit of context. One, he's always kind of been very pro-eating healthy. We eat healthy in this house between all of my food and health issues to uh, also he is now uh, obsessed with Liver King. I don't know if anyone else has heard of Liver King on Instagram. If you want a good chuckle, go and check this guy out, Liver King on Instagram. And this guy does, I mean, luckily my husband's not obsessed with this side of it. This dude does not brush his teeth. He does not shower. I mean, maybe he showers. I don't know. Um, But he is all kinds of into every bit of natural living. A lot of stuff I think is great and fantastic, but he basically eats all meat practically. This guy's eating liver and bone marrow in giant portions of meat. Anyways, I'm having to tame back my husband from going out full caveman on me in the other room as he eats his bone marrow and tries to convince me how appetizing it looks. I know it's healthy for you, but there are some things I just can't go there, like liver. You know how many times I've been told to eat liver? I just can't do it. Maybe you can't. I just can't do it. Anyways, you're listening to Training with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. It is our weekly happy hour and, you know, do what you enjoy. Do what you love. Eat what you love, especially if it is something healthy, right? Uh, anyways, today we're going to talk about a little bit more serious of a topic in light of current events and everything circling around the future of abortion in this country and Roe versus Wade. We are going to dive into the topic of abortion in relation to happiness. Because, and I think this is a really important topic. Every Monday is our weekly happy hour. And today I want to talk about whether or not we're happier because of abortion. And I really do ask that question because you may obviously make the argument, of course, no, no one's happier because of abortion. But that's not what the education systems, that's not what 
many young women today believe. That's not the cultural attitude. You see, so we're going to unpack whether or not people are happier, we are happier because of abortion. We'll talk about the destruction of motherhood and how it's led to the destruction of female happiness. We'll talk about how legal abortion has led to disorientation for men and how if we don't have expectations or purpose, we won't be happy. Also take your abortion questions. The number is 1-888-914-9149. You can also ask your question live now on my Instagram. Just direct message me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. So the hour of the question is, are we happier because of abortion? That's essentially what second wave feminism and abortion promised. Freedom and therefore happiness. No rules. You're free to enjoy anything, ladies, and everything. That's sexually. That's relational so-called freedom where you can walk away or stay as long as you do or don't want to without having to be married and without having ultimately what is at the heart of keeping marriage together or for the purpose of marriage, and that is children, especially from the Catholic understanding of marriage. You see, legalized abortion promised academics and career and monetary success. It promised the capacity to travel and have relationships in any way, in whatever way, as you wish. In other words, legalized abortion handed women, the idea was, would hand women their liberty and therefore would hand them unfettered access to happiness. But the argument was also that it would give so-called equality. You would be free as a man if you were a woman because you no longer have any strings attached. Nothing's binding if you don't have to have children. That was the idea of what abortion would offer. It was this big enticing plate of freedom and travel and sex without any consequences. Friends with benefits. You know, the Cosmo Girl lifestyle that people such as journalist Susan Browder has shared over and over again. Or Sue Ellen Browder. She wrote the book. um, What is that book called? I just, Cosmopolitan. Oh, I know Patrick's going to tell me what the name of the book is because I can't remember off the top of my head. A subverted, that's it. Subverted how the women's movement hijacked, how the abortion movement hijacked the women's movement. And she tells the story story about how she was a cosmopolitan writer. And writing for Cosmopolitan, what she saw was that they were fabricating stories of that picture-perfect idealistic, the person who has this career and, you know, travels to France and, you know, meets someone at the corner bakery and falls into bed and has this romantic, wooing relationship and how fun and no strings attached and isn't it exciting? All of this from the Cosmo Girl ideology to ultimately what would give happiness? And that was the idea of what abortion and contraception would offer women. But what did women lose in the midst of this promise? Well, here we are 50 years later with legalized abortion still, and 
unfettered access to hormonal contraception. It's free for many women. But what did we lose? We lost ourselves. And I wouldn't just say women, men as well. And we're going to touch on that in just a few minutes here. We lost our humanity and we lost our civilization. We lost ourselves because we have become ambiguous, dysfunctional, and confused versions of ourselves. Even, I would say, not just people who believe in abortion, but even as a culture, you know, the ideas and moments we push toward. These moments are truly, I think for many people, we're choosing ideologies and ways of living that although we may not be pro-abortion, are promoting a culture of delay and delay and delay when it comes to having children to the point where many women can't have children. They waited so long or they've delayed a serious relationship and a future marriage because they waited so long. We'll talk about that. So we've lost ourselves as men and women. We've lost our humanity. You know, part of what makes us human, and that is sacrificial love, the social dimension of who we are, not just having social engagements, but deep, rooted, loving, sacrificial relationships. And we've essentially lost our civilization. We have become uncivilized in many ways. I mean, just look at the protests and riots of what people think is okay today in the name of abortion. And rioting and protesting in and outside of churches, outside of the homes of people. And, you know, I'm okay with peaceful protests, but some of the things that are said by people, it's shocking. And we do have to respect, you know, the right to assemble, but we never support violence and vulgarity. So what we've seen in all of this has led to a destruction of motherhood. A destruction of motherhood in this has impacted female happiness, I think more than we often acknowledge as a culture. Because even for people who, again, you don't have to be pro-abortion to see how this attack on motherhood has led to a very deep level of, for many women, self-loathing because of your capacity to have children as if it gets in the way of career or work, whatever it might be, of education or relationships, of having fun. That's why the vast majority of abortions are elective abortions. An elective abortion, and elective abortions make up over 99% of abortions. An elective abortion is that there's no health risk, there's no medical problem with the child. It's just, I'm having an abortion because I want to. Now, there may be any number of circumstances that lead a woman to make that choice, but she's choosing to have an abortion. She's electing to have an abortion. She's not in a experience of medical duress to do so. And the reality is, is there's no true medical duress that should or ever would justify having an abortion. We never place one life above the other. So all of this being said, this attack on motherhood has led to a high level of, like I said, self-loathing. I would say self-doubt. Many women have a very high level of doubt in their capacity to be mothers, that they would be good mothers, whether it's because of the culture of abortion they've seen, not enough women ahead of them who are choosing to be mothers, but also many of whom, because you take for gr- kind of this attitude of self-loathing because of your capacity to have children, for many, there's this doubt that you could be a good mother. 
I saw this so often in college, even around faith-filled individuals who came from great homes. It's self-doubt of like, maybe I couldn't or shouldn't have children because I don't know if I could or would be a good mom. From self-loathing to self-doubt to outright selfishness and a self-seeking identity, at the heart of what we've seen in the destruction of motherhood has been a turning in on ourselves as women. Again, that self-loathing, self-doubt, outright selfishness, and self-seeking identity where it's all about finding myself, discovering my real identity, discovering the truest version of myself, finding those five quick ways to be happier, to be healthier. And all of these things, to be happy and healthy are great things. Many people do struggle with self-loathing and self-doubt. Who doesn't struggle with selfishness or trying to discover their identity? But the problem is with the destruction of motherhood, instead of looking out toward others, even for young women with a hope in anticipation of having children, instead of having children and going through the difficulties from bodily transformation to lacking sleep to what you could argue you know, the nagging and the the needs, but also the joys of motherhood, the joys of seeing, you know, the fostering and formation of another individual, the sacrifices you can make to see someone else thrive, those difficult moments we don't want as a society. As a culture, we've been told as women, delay, delay, delay. Even people of faith, Wait, you know, delay getting married, achieve this, accomplish that. Wait for the perfect circumstances to get married or to be okay with dating someone or to have children. Buy a house first, travel the world, buy the car, you know, fin- finish that degree. And all, some of these things can be very good, important, and practical things. However, what it's led to are two things for women. It's led to the cry of the childless, a couple generations now of childless women. And second, it's led to what I refer to as the atrophy of the energizer bunny, not the freedom of the playboy bunny that was promised with access to whatever you want to do because you have abortion, the fail safe. No. We've seen two things, the cry of the childless and the atrophy of the Energizer Bunny. And I say atrophy of the Energizer Bunny because there are some who have no children today or very few or only one because of the culture of delay, delay, wait for the perfect circumstances or because of contraception, because of abortion. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have the atrophy of people who have been encouraged, of women who have been encouraged, you can have it all. You can do absolutely everything. You can have the higher education. You can have the high-powered career. You can have all the children you want. You can also run the PTA, make everything homemade, and do, do everything. And there are many people, and props to so many women who are holding all these balls in the air trying to do and be everything, but at the same moment, we have to pause. Because we're seeing overall among women today this atrophy that's occurring, this exhaustion. That's why I said it's the atrophy of the Energizer Bunny, where women are told, you can do anything. You can function. Just keep going. And I keep thinking of that 
commercial, the Energizer Bunny just going, 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 tapping its hands together, not stopping. At a certain point, it's just going to run out of batteries because that's the reality. At the end of the day, it only has so much it can give. And that's why you see many women in their middle age where, you know, here they are, you know, they might have a couple kids left at home still. They're trying to get through work. They're going through, you know, transitions in their own lives. They're caring for elderly parents who are dealing with their medical issues. And you see all of this continue to go. And those are good things. We should be freed up to care and help others. But because we're told we could and should have it all, women are atrophying today. There's a study done some years ago, about almost 10 years ago now, talking about the paradox of female happiness and how, you know, people said, well, we'll be happier with abortion. Like I said, the idea was is that abortion would give freedom and freedom therefore would give unfettered access to happiness. You can be and do whatever you want. But the reality is, is that the paradox is that the housewives of the 60s are actually happier we're happier and far happier than women today. Offering abortion destroyed motherhood. Not just for people who are pro-abortion or on the cusp, but it destroyed it culturally in terms of how we look at motherhood, how we delay families and children. It's not just destroyed children. It's destroyed our view of ourselves as women It's destroyed our relationship with God because we've justified certain modes of operation that we know are contrary to the law and the purpose God had for our bodies. And so many women are leaving God as a result or turning to a watered down version of God because that's more comfortable for them. And many women have lost relationships with men who otherwise could have been long term spouses that would have brought that reciprocity, that companionship, that challenge. Again, that paradox that we see in some of the research is that the housewives of the 50s, 60s, 40s are happier than women of the 21st century in a so-called liberated society that should have offered greater levels of happiness. And so that's why today here on Trending, in the face of the cultural battle circling around abortion, I really want to continue to dive into this topic. Did abortion make us happier individuals? We'll look at this from the perspective of men, and we'll look at some of the solutions and take your questions on the abortion issue. The number is 1-888-914-9149. You can also direct message me now on Instagram at Timmerie, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, or Twitter to ask your question now. I'll be right back here on Trending. talking about what you're thinking about you're listening to trending with timory on relevant radio and the relevant radio app
The question of the hour is, are we happier because of abortion? It's our weekly happy hour, and we're taking a little bit more of a grim topic today because the reality is, is that this debate about abortion is encircling many of us. And ultimately, why those who are pro-abortion are so upset is because with abortion was promised freedom. And with freedom, unfettered access to happiness. You choose on your terms. Relationships, career, family planning, education, all of it was on your terms. It was promising happiness. And that's not in the end what it is ultimately given. But many people to this day still believe that abortion, allowing people to be free, allow people to be happy. And also to so-called be equal because for women to live like men, apparently we have to be able to kill our children because we need to have that freedom to walk away just as a man could. But what we're ignoring at the end of the day for women is that that's just not how we're hardwired. And so it hasn't made us happier as women. There's a lot that we've forfeited and given up. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. We've talked about the way abortion has not led to female happiness. And I'd like to dive into how it's impacted men. How have men fared in 50 years of an abortive culture? Well, I would argue that first and foremost, it's led to the disorientation of the majority of men today. It's removed everything from responsibility and commitment to even risk maturity is being delayed and instant gratification is normalized. So let's start at the beginning. It's removed responsibility for men. So legalized abortion, an abortive culture, removes responsibility for men. The responsibility of sleeping with someone and not walking away. Now you can walk away. Before Although that there is a natural tendency, as we know, the Coolidge effect, where men have a higher level of a predisposition to mate with multiple partners and to leave and go from one partner to the next, seeking novelty. And we'll talk about that again in just a moment. But it's encouraged that behavior in men. No responsibility for the emotions and the long-term health emotionally or psychologically or spiritually of the woman that he sleeps with. And not alone, not to mention, no no responsibility for a child that could or would result from intimacy with a woman. It has removed commitment from men, removing the idea of having long-term, long-standing relationships. It's actually even decreased, I would argue, risk in men. Where, yes, marriage in a certain respect, you could argue, is something risky. I think many people today would say marriage is certainly risk in a very divorce-centric culture. But I think it also is that men have become less risky in the right ways, taking risks. It's natural for men to take risks. But they've started to take fewer risks because before they would be taking risks to support and care for their families at times. And they were willing to step out even further, put their necks on the lines at times, in order to care in the best way possible for their family. Legalized abortion for men, as I said, has led to disorientation of men because it's led to 
a lack of maturity at all in many cases or delayed maturity for many, many years. And I would argue more so just an absolute lack of maturity. And I look at so many men today, especially and including in the boomer generation. And I look in, I know 20 year olds that are more mature. And I think it's because of this abortive culture. I was walking around the airport and, you know, a couple weeks ago and there were a few men of the boomer generation marching around proudly together with these giant cheese heads on their heads. None of them wearing wedding rings, all of them just looking like adult buffoons. And, and okay, you know, if you're, uh, it's the Packers, right? They're in Wisconsin. If you're a Packers fan and you're cheese head, you know, all of these things, like I'm all about having fun and rooting for your team. However, however, if you're a boomer and you're walking around like a fool, at that age, proudly in the airport at a certain point I just kind of felt like here are these three men with no wedding rings on just acting very dumb in the airport and I really did look at that wow this is the culture of abortion this is the culture where there are no strings attached there's no commitment to marriage there there's no commitment to, to children you know maybe they do or don't have children but clearly you know they're fine going on this trip and there's nothing wrong with dads and men going on trip to trips together and having fun and rooting for their sports teams all of those are great things but what is problematic is that we've removed the capacity or the intention to mature in our culture because we've ripped marriage we were children out from under the normal developmental process of men. And talk to men who have had children. They'll tell you the way and the day they really grew up and started to take life seriously was when, in particular, they held their child in their arms for the first time on the day of the birth. Another thing that's been removed from men because of legalized abortion, this is another reason as to why abortion hasn't made us happier as a culture, is that it's led to a normalcy of instant gratification. You see, the most primal-based dimension for men is the Coolidge effect, one of the most primal dimensions. That is that males tend to be okay with and move in the direction of multiple sexual partners and to go from one to the next, seeking novelty, moving on, and leaving it be at that. But what does all of this reveal? From the lack of responsibility, the lack of commitment, the lack of taking risks, the decline in maturity and instant gratification is normalized for men. And that coming back for just a moment to instant gratification being normalized for men, this is how bad it is if we're really clear. It's not just intimate instant gratification that I'm talking about. It's instant gratification for anything and everything. Food, pornography, Hearing the news about a new job, getting a new job, the moment you start wanting a new job. I mean, there are so many things. We normalize instant gratification versus it's always been historically women who have been the gatekeepers of yes or no when it comes to sexual intimacy. And as women, we've declined in saying no 
and have led as a reputation for our culture many women to be known as easy today. When historically that wasn't the way because there was so much more that we were valuing and protecting and that was our potency for motherhood. It was the protection of future children, it was the protection of our emotions, the protection of our bodies. And so instant gratification has led to all of this overall decline and disorientation for men. But what all of this really reveals when you look at abortion in relation to the disorientation men are going through, that failure to launch syndrome, that whole culture centering around men today, what it reveals on a very profound and deep level about the human person is how true the sexual complementarity of men and women really is. Women and children ultimately civilize men. This complementarity brings out the best in what is other in each other. And both men and women, men as well, can bring out the best in women. But in particular, we know that it's a woman who calls a man to the mission, the vocation, the responsibility of fatherhood. We bring out in each other the best in the other. This high rate we see of post-abortive men is seen in prison systems. Many men in prison today have gone through an abortion. As I mentioned a moment ago, this reveals the failure to launch syndrome where many men are just never launching into their lives. It's a part of the epidemic of singleness and it's part of the epidemic of loneliness, all of which are also connected to high depression rates, anxiety rates, and medication for those, as well as suicide rates. I was looking at a report today that reports the highest rate of loneliness. This is from the American Perspective Survey that just came out. The highest rate of loneliness is among men who report watching porn in the last 24 hours, regularly watching and looking at porn. You see, this is the culture we live in, the total and absolute disorientation for men. It leads to ambiguity and purpose and function. And we're going to talk in just a moment about how the solution centers around expectations and purpose and how expectations and purpose help to bring happiness in life. You're listening to Trending with Tim Murray here on Relevant Radio. Justin from Campbell, California is on the line to talk about how he was impacted by abortion. Justin, welcome to Trending. Uh, yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, a little bit of background about me. My wife and I have been together for 18 years, married 14 um, we were expecting our third child when we were informed that uh, there was a severe genetic disorder and for the safety of the mother, and uh, they recommended termination. And so we you know, practicing Catholics, and it was devastating. It was devastating. And that happened three years ago, and our, never, our marriage never recovered. And uh, in the past four months, she's filed for divorce um yeah it's just it's the impact has just been devastating justin i want to thank you for sharing your story and i want to know, I want you to know you're praying for you i remember that god is so powerful and there's nothing that 
is out of the reach of the mercy and love and intervention of God. And I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your wife. Uh, So many, so many prayers for you guys. I can't even imagine what that was like for you, uh, having gone through an abortion with your third child as practicing Catholics and, you know, learning about a genetic disorder for your baby. Um, Your wife and you must both be going through so much. And I hope, I hope that you can find hope in healing both of you individually and together, um, especially looking at resources such as Project Rachel. Project Rachel, um, I believe the website is, yes, it is hopeafterabortion.com. I hope this is something that you can help to get into the hands of your wife as well as yourself. There are resources for men um, for healing after abortion. But we're going to pray for you, Justin. I ask anyone who's listening right now to pray for Justin, to pray for his wife, uh, to pray for all three of their children. And remember um, that your children our children are gifts, and those children, we pray for them. We pray for them, pray for their intercession, especially those children um, in heaven. So we'll, we'll just pause. I want to pray. I hope anyone joining us now will pray with me for Justin. Justin, if you're still with me, I'd like to pray Hail Mary together. If you'll pray the second half of the Hail Mary in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we're praying for healing for your marriage, for your wife, for you, and for your, your baby. Your baby and your children will pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Mary, Mother, sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Our Lady of Hope, pray for us. And Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. Name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, anyone listening, please continue to pray for Justin. Justin, we are praying for you and your family. Again, and anyone who's been through an abortion, uh, or if you know someone who has, just putting that resource out there. Uh, Project Rachel, hopeafterabortion.com. Again, that's hopeafterabortion.com. We'll post that in the podcast notes for today's show, as well as posting that now on social media. Post that on Twitter and Facebook. So please grab that link uh, so that you can um, have that resource for anyone who may need it. And remember, the wounds from abortion run so deep in our in our families, in our culture, in our medical um, in our medical world, you know, someone who, again, was recommended to have an abortion because their child had a genetic disorder, that did not do anything to save their marriage. That did not do anything to save that baby. And I will just mention, because this research has come out over the last six months or so, that many of those tests, and Justin, you know, I'm praying with you and with you, if you haven't heard this or didn't know this, um, you know, pray, you know, pray through this because I know it's got to be hard to hear. I've heard from so many parents who've heard this over the last six months. It's been heartbreaking that the research has come out and the truth has come out that there have been many false positive tests when it's come to genetic testing where the test claims that there's some sort of genetic problem with the child, but those were false positives and that the failure rate was up to 80% and higher in these genetic tests and that medical professionals have been encouraging abortion, which is so wrong. One, because we should never, ever, we do no harm. It's part of the Hippocratic Oath that doctors used to always take and many still do. should never do any harm to intentionally kill a child. But second, 
the the developing baby in the womb at times can come up with various health problems in the child's development but then things can be grow and develop and mature from lungs to hearts our baby girl had a very abnormal and concerning heart rate for a while when she was in utero but it worked out you know the, the baby's heart continued to develop and everything everything was okay in the end you know there's rapid growth there's tremendous dependence on the safe environment and situations the child is in in the mother's womb and so we need to pray and foster a culture of life especially in the face of hospitals and pro-abortion medical physicians and even pro-abortion friends who are willing to advise horrible horrible choices for people that do not save, change, or bring hope to people's lives. So I hope you'll continue to pray with me for Justin and others who have been through abortion and circumstances like that. And again, one more time, the resource for healing after abortion, there's healing for men and women, can be found at hopeafterabortion.com. I'll be right back here on Trending with Timurie during our weekly happy hour. And I know it's an intense topic, but we are correlating the topic because this is what the pro-abortion argument is, is that abortion will make you free, which ultimately means happy and equal. We're debunking why that's not the case. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. We're going to talk about why responsibility and direction and purpose bring about happiness in our lives. We'll be right back here on Trending on Relevant Radio. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I wanted to share a brief story with you, especially after the call we had um, just a few moments ago about people who were advised to have that abortion uh, when a genetic disorder was was diagnosed for a baby in utero. And I've mentioned before, and this has been uh, groundbreaking information over the last six months or so, I think even longer, that the genetic test for babies in utero, it's come out. We've talked a lot about false negatives, false positives, and so forth with COVID. Well, what's come out is that the genetic disorders test for babies in utero have a failure rate in the respect that they're giving false positive, a false diagnosis of a genetic disorder uh, with rates higher than 80%, higher than 80%. Uh, And I've seen firsthand in the crisis pregnancy centers over and over again, I would talk to women who had had those genetic disorder tests. And because we were the only people in the crisis pregnancy center saying something contrary and confidently in opposition to what a doctor would be saying, telling people to quote, terminate and have an abortion. But we would be appealing to their maternal instincts to care for their child and to love and expect, accept their child in the face of anything. So that's really what crisis pregnancy counselors do is it's appealing to the natural maternal instinct that is being stifled by the culture, by sometimes pro-abortion medical physicians, a boyfriend or whatever it might be. And so we'd see these women, they choose life for their children. They would choose life for their children, and guess what? Babies would be born in no no genetic disorder over and over and over again. These tests are so pro-abortion. 
But what, what can we do by doing a genetic test for a child in the womb uh, that really is only leading to terminations, to, uh, that is abortions? That's what's happening. And I was just hearing a story from my producer, Jim. You know, he said his wife uh, had interactions with a woman who was pregnant and uh, she was told that the baby had trisomy 18, another rare genetic disorder where the children often uh, don't live very long after birth. And is it trisomy or 18 or 13? I think they're actually two. I'm not sure if it's both. But um, in this instance, the woman is pro-life. She chooses to have her baby. And baby's perfectly healthy. Doesn't have trisomy. Totally fine. This is the truth. Women and men are being lied to, are being heartbroken. Their marriages are falling apart. And this is why we are talking today during our weekly happy hour that's a little bit of an intense hour about why abortion has not in 50 years made us happier. We talked about how it's led to the cry of the childless for women. It's led to the exhaustion and atrophy of women who are trying to do it all in all seasons of their lives. We talked about the disorientation it's led to for men. But the end of the day, we have to talk about solutions to what is truly now a happiness crisis caused by abortion. The reality is, is if you don't have expectations or a purpose in life, you will not be happy. And this is why we have to help in the face of whatever happens. And I do believe Roe versus Wade will be overturned in the coming weeks and that the issue of abortion will be returned to the states and we will see state-to-state battles that you and I must pray fast and be involved in politically and have our boots on the ground in our states. Because the battle over abortion is not ending. The overturning of Roe versus Wade will be great. But our ability to create pro-life laws and viscerally fight against pro-abortion laws and to stand in front of those abortion clinics where abortions continue to be performed is our duty and our responsibility. We've been a little bit lazy as a culture, but it's also a cultural battle and debate today. And so when we talk about the solution to the happiness crisis caused by abortion, we must reclaim motherhood for women, appealing yet again to that natural maternal desire and fostering and encouraging that natural maternal desire. It's fascinating, even based on parts of the country, especially having traveled a lot over the last uh, five years or so, and now living in the Midwest versus having lived in California, even just see the difference in attitudes of teenage girls toward children in California versus teenage girls toward children in the Midwest. There's a far greater interest in children, uh, in your in babies from from people in the Midwest than there was in California because we live in such a pro-abortion culture in California. We're shutting off this maternal desire that is rooted from such an early age just naturally in children. Little girls choose of their own volition to find things to snuggle and cuddle and feed and nourish and carry and care for. But that's natural toward little girls, toward babies, baby girls. When I've worked in the crisis pregnancy centers, I worked in one for five years. I've collaborated with crisis pregnancy centers across the nation for years. And 
I sidewalk counseling. I started sidewalk counseling when I was 13 years old. It's God. Truly, it's only God. And you, you say yes, and he will work with you where you're at in the midst of your weaknesses, your faults, and everything. If you say yes to him. That's why I hope that if you're listening, say yes to getting involved in the poor life movement. Say yes to prayer. Say yes to fasting. Say yes to getting involved in whatever way you're being called. But working in the crisis pregnancy centers in sidewalk counseling Really, at the heart of what that work is for those counselors is helping to reignite the maternal instinct and desire of women whose maternal instinct and desire has been stymied, that it has been muffled out and destroyed and ravaged by educators, by men, at times by parents by social media, by videos they're watching, by the by so many different things it's coming at them from every direction. And I was talking just the other day to Dr. Susan Caldwell here on Friday. We we're talking about firsthand experience of both of us having worked in the crisis pregnancy centers. And she was talking about a recent client she had who had come into her office and was uh, looking to have an abortion and was there really for someone to change, help change her mind. And it was really just a matter of appealing to her natural maternal instinct. I was counseling a woman just last week who was in an uh, abortion-minded situation. And just reminding her, you're a mom. You're a mom already. Let that those motherly instincts come out. You know, and helping them to see that. And I think that with that reclaiming of our motherhood and appealing to that maternal desire, that also comes with acknowledging fears of motherhood. Fears of inadequacy at being a mother one day. Fears even about the pain of childbirth and telling and listening and hearing where people are at. I remember I had a friend in college. She was terrified at the idea of being a mom because she thought she would not be capable. She thought she would be a terrible mom. She was swearing off dating, swearing off marriage, swearing off having children. And I was working in the crisis pregnancy center at the time and I'd been sidewalk counseling and I've heard that. I heard that in front of the crisis pregnancy centers with women who are already pregnant. I had already heard it with women who weren't pregnant yet. And I remember just saying to my friend in college, I know right now the idea of motherhood is terrifying. You feel like you're not capable. You feel like you would be a terrible mom and feel like you don't have, didn't have good examples and role models of motherhood. But that's right now. Being in the right context of being with someone who you could see being a good father. Having matured a little bit more. Being entrusted by God with a particular child he is entrusted to your care. He equips you. You will be a great mother. And just appealing to the fact that you can, you will be a good mother. The fact that you even have fear or trepidation about motherhood is a good thing. Those are actually your maternal instincts already coming out, saying that you care about something that matters so much. And so we need to build women up to the gift of motherhood, to the gift of children. We have to talk about the joys of raising kids, joy and the gift and the good thing of raising children full time. It's okay sometimes if you need to do a little part-time work as you're raising your children. That familial support, having support, having a community is very helpful in raising your kids. 
about the difference it makes when you have a good dad helping you to raise your children. This is why the dating scene is so important. We've talked about the disorientation of men. How do we regain that orientation for men? Men are called to be husbands and fathers. They're called to have responsibility. They're called to maturity. Enough with this illusional attitude and approach to what it means to be a man today. You're called to be all in, gentlemen. It's okay if you're afraid of being a dad, if you're afraid of failure, if you're afraid of all all of the burdens on your shoulders to protect, to provide. It's okay if you feel like you lacked role models, you had a bad dad. In God, all things are powerful. All things are possible. In God, we have the perfect role model. The fact that there is fear and nervousness about being a father or a mother is a good thing. Those are paternal and maternal instincts kicking in, telling you to reevaluate and plan and be wise in how you prepare for and care for children. Even think to the choice that St. Joseph himself made. St. Joseph was facing a crisis pregnancy. He discovered he was a father in the most unique circumstances, but he chose to stay. He chose to stay with Mary. He chose to stay with Jesus, and he became a saint. If that's possible for St. Joseph, what is possible for you as well? I even think of my own husband. I have seen how from pregnancy to postpartum to being a dad, has each of these phases have brought out the absolute best in my husband. While being pregnant, he has always been so good at being thoughtful and picking up the slack and stepping up when I had needed him to. When I was more dependent than ever during postpartum. Oh my gosh, I, especially with moving across the country and really kind of struggling off and on with depression because of that move, being away from all of our family, all of our friends. Amy, he did the cooking every night for months, for months. Did the cooking every night, was helping take care of, you know, clean, was helping take care of me, just take care of everything. Brought out the absolute best in him. And being a dad has brought the absolute best out in him. This is what is possible for men today, but abortion has subverted and hijacked that. We have to tell the truth for men and women. The reality is, is even if we look at the reality, married couples report higher levels of intimate satisfaction. Parents report greater levels of fulfillment in life. Abortion didn't give freedom. The happiness that it promised. It gave loneliness, despair, self-loathing, dissatisfaction, and disorientation. Women who parent are happier for it. There's a study that showed women who turned away, who were turned away from having access to abortion because of pro-life laws and limits on abortion. And the further they got away from uh, actually having that abortion and being you know, having to keep their baby because they didn't have access to abortion, the happier they were. The happier and the happier and the happier they were with the choice. It was an easy choice, no, but the happier they became. And I saw firsthand for years in the crisis pregnancy centers that was it easy for women to choose life for their babies? No, but they were happier when they did. We'd walk with women who didn't choose life and chose abortion. We walked with women who chose life and we'd see the stark contrast of the joy that motherhood 
and the potential for new life gave. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Tuesday, I'll dive into the fake and deceptive medical science behind Roe versus Wade, explaining why a federal right to abortion and really any right to abortion in this nation must go. We'll also take your questions in the face of the debate occurring culturally because we need to be ready to respond. So join me Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.